exciting that we have groups coming. So you, you, you know, you figured out the emphasis today, and, and we're heading into Easter. We have a bunch of things happening, but at the end of the month is the first day of uh, uh, our groups, the first week. So we launched the week of April 27th, and I should say we, we relaunched because we've actually repurposed groups. They may look similar, but our intent is different. You know, we're, we're all about people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus at Open Life, but now we're, uh, we, we turned the, the groups a little on their side, and instead of just desiring social interaction, we really are trying to promote the development of significant relationship with each other in Jesus. So it's more relation, deeper relationship and growth, and, and instead of every session, them being new groups, our goal is that people would carry on sessions and, and expand their relationships with one another. It's going to be pretty fun, so we're excited about that. And really, as we walk through our text in a moment in Luke 4, 1 through 13, uh, as we see Jesus in a desert moment, I think one of the things that's made, like, it's just a blaring moment in life when I'm at the hospital doing visitations or like visiting someone or I go into a lobby of a majorly traumatic scenario in somebody's life and uh, family and friends are gathered, there is a drastic difference between those who have significant relationships with others and are united in hope in Jesus than those that are not. You can only like imagine in your mind despair or hope. But there's oftentimes when you go in and there's no one there for someone. And that's just plain sad, right? So what would it look like if we began to know one another on a deep enough level that we would be there for each other in times of need, whatever that is, whatever that looks like? Not, maybe not in, a, in, in an ER or a lobby, hopefully not, but maybe when kids are born or when there's celebrations, parties, and we just get to know each other on a deeper level. I'm pretty excited about kind of going after that because uh, groups can help us uh, find that, that hope that maybe in a season we're blind to and can be the one that spurs us along in our faith in seasons where we would give up. And those seasons come for all of us. So I'm pretty excited about that. Our goal is that by spring of 2015, ultimately, we could have 80% or more of us in uh, groups. And I think it's cool to even think farther out. As I was praying about my message this morning, uh, I was kind of remembered, as, uh, reminded by the Lord when I was at this moment in my talk saying, oh my goodness. And groups will very evidently show us which communities are next for Open Life to launch in. You know, just naturally, if you have a group that, that is raising up more leaders and more groups in a community, and, and then that's obviously the next community that needs to be targeted. So it's pretty cool to do that. But there's actually three emphasis today. I mean, we just wanted to throw it all at you and overwhelm you, if at all possible. So uh, the other emphasis, and you'll hear more about this at the end, is charity water. You may have noticed like the yellow coolers on your way in and and uh, we'll tell you more about that, but we're all about 
the global water crisis and making a dent in that. And uh, so you'll hear more about that at the end. But the third emphasis, obviously, next week's Easter. So in your handouts, you have the prayer outline for who to pray for, to invite. Hopefully, you've already invited some people and some more invites. We also have a table back there with 10 invites and a little rubber band bundle. Grab them, even if you don't think you'll use them, because you never know when the opportunity will arise. And uh, so be all about having those in your possession. So we're in this journey through Luke, right? Luke is the author of the book Luke. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels. I heard a statistic, may have been made up on the spot, as most statistics are, supposedly. Um, At least 60% of statistics are made up on the spot. I don't know if that's the number, but it sounded fun. I just made it up. So, but no, I heard a, a, a... a person say that 70% of Americans can't tell you the four Gospels. It's an interesting. I, I wonder if it's true. I have no idea what the background of that statistic was or if the person made it up. But it made me think while I was mowing my lawn and uh, listening to a podcast. I was like, 70% of people can't tell you that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the accounts of Jesus' life. And I was like, wow, it's an important place to start or know. And so, just to remind you, those are the Gospels. Now we could pass the test. So then, uh, we'll, we'll be the, we're in the upper percentile. But we're in Luke, and we're walking through Luke, which is designed very specifically to prove with certainty that Jesus is the Son of God to people who've never known God. In a, you know, in a nutshell, that's what it's written for, the purpose of it. And so as I, uh, I begin to look through, you know, and, and we just read, we've gotten all the way to Luke 4. It seems like we're only in Luke 4, you know, but we've been here for a while. We will be here for a while. There's a lot of content in the Bible and, and in Luke when you're going verse by verse, which we're doing. And, and we just covered last week uh, the, the moment where Jesus himself, at 30 years old, was baptized and like spotlight from heaven came down. It actually says it this way in Luke 3.22. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, You are my son. I just want to know what it really sounded like, right? You are my son. He's like, Father. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't like that. But you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Everybody on the banks, everybody seeing Jesus go public with his faith, heard that this is the Son of God. An intense moment, right? Could it be? This is the one that John the Baptist, who was doing the baptizing, was preparing the way for. So spiritual high for everybody there, including Jesus, right? I mean… The Holy Spirit descended on him like in bodily form. I don't even, I don't, can you imagine what that is even saying? What did that look like, you know? You know, I don't know. It's like this moment of, you know, overtaking or, I don't know. But so this moment happens in the water. He's baptized and my son, I'm well pleased. And then what we're reading about today happens. Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, the Jordan River where he was baptized, and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. 
You think you had a bad day, right? Oh, wow, 40 days of it. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. Now, just imagine that. (laughs) All the kingdoms of the world, and then he puts this before him. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to you or to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, pause, The devil's quoting Scripture here. You ready for this? I mean, sometimes you're easily led astray by those who maybe they know the Bible really well and make it sound really good, and they can can maybe even out like dialogue or debate you with all kinds of Scripture. Doesn't mean they're pointing the way to Jesus. Just a free little side token. Here we go. He says this. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Very interesting. Very interesting text, and there's so many different directions you could take it. We could preach on this for weeks, just this one, but we're not going to. Don't fear. Um, So, I mean, we may easily misread this passage, and it may sound like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert for 40 days to be just pounded by the devil. I mean, doesn't it kind of sound like that when you read it? I mean, he's consistently tempted for 40 days. We just hear three of the temptations here in this record. He was being led by the Spirit, but being led into and being led in are two very different things. Let me say that again because it's, it's really semantic. It's really tight, but words matter. Jesus was being led in the Spirit, while being in the desert, not led into the desert for the devil to have his way. It's just kind of a, an interesting. But the devil does lead Jesus in times of temptation. So we're going to tear this apart and kind of look at three different things, and, and hopefully you can grasp, grasp something that will encourage you in, in desert seasons in your life, in dry times, in times when when life has you down. Number one, desert does not mean deserted. Again, the Holy Spirit was with Jesus, right? Holy Spirit, Jesus was 
being led in the Holy Spirit while being tempted. It's kind of interesting to think that he's overcoming temptation because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was, was led to um, a, a time and place where the devil was just coming at him, and he was being strengthened spiritually by it. And something that jumps out to me here right at the get-go is the humanity of Jesus. And we sang about it. You might not have caught the words while we were singing them, but, you know, Jesus authors this story with God, with the Holy Spirit, like the Bible. They, they wrote it, right? They inspired people to pen the Scriptures. And, and, and so you look at this moment, and you go, you know, Jesus wrote Himself into the story. And we're seeing that when He wrote Himself in, He was completely human and God. And so when you have the temptation happening here, and it says a simple phrase like, He was hungry. I was just in that moment saying, God, thank you, because I think sometimes we think, you know, we're weird because we're just like starving for something. Maybe spiritually or in life, we're just missing something, and we feel bad that we're missing something. But in actuality, Jesus was hungry. He had natural needs, human, total humanity. It's kind of that dumb moment, but 40 days in the desert without eating, I would be hungry and thirsty. Jesus was starving, and Jesus was in a place of fasting and prayer. He was not eating on purpose, spiritually strengthening himself, a time of dedication to be set apart, breakthrough. Fasting is, is an incredible spiritual discipline that opens and unlocks things that hard to describe. And of course, he was hungry. When you pray, you don't have somebody who is unsympathetic to your desert or your hunger. Jesus gets both. So perception-wise, when we're praying to God in Jesus' name, he gets hunger. He gets that and gives us the strength to endure. We're not deserted just because we're hungry or we're in a desert. Jesus doesn't say, because I live a perfect life, you should attain to my level of life. He says, no, because I suffered and sacrificed the true price of humanity, you can have access to a whole nother level of living. Jesus was practicing the spiritual discipline of fasting, and, and it would easily appear that he was getting weaker and weaker, right? I mean, we kind of read it that way. He was in the desert for 40 days. He wasn't eating. And then we read about the three temptations, and we're going, poor guy. But in actuality, spiritually, he was getting stronger and stronger, more in tune, more united with the Father's will for his life. That's why he was in the desert in the first place, being strengthened, fasting, he was three years away from the cross. He needed to persevere and be strengthened to be able to do what was before Him. We should all have a consistent discipline of replacing food with prayer and devotion in some way, shape, or form. Read the Bible, praying, fasting. We'll be, we'll be talking about this a bit more in a couple of weeks when we get to Luke 5.33. And Jesus' question on fasting. But if your curiosity is just like, 
ripping you apart, and you don't, you're like, fasting, this is a weird concept. For most of us, fasting is something you do before a medical procedure, and they tell you to skip, don't eat, you know, at 9 o'clock, stop eating, because tomorrow, you know, we're going to shoot you up with some drugs, and we don't want you to, like, vomit everywhere, right? So that's, but this is for spiritual purposes. Basically, in a nutshell, you replace an item of food or a kind of food for a season with prayer. Like if you were going to eat lunch during a half-hour window, you have a lunch break. Instead of eating lunch, you, you just have a juice or something and, and spend the time that you would eating reading your Bible and praying for something specific. And often, God opens doors of breakthrough, insight, or next steps in your life. It's pretty cool. There's, there's all kinds of fasts listed in Scripture. And if, if that intrigues you and you need breakthrough in your life and you can't wait for like four weeks when we're talking in, in Luke 5.33, the best website I've found recently that describes fasting is Jensen Franklin's website. It, it, Jensen is J-E-N-T-E-Z-E-N and then franklin.org slash fasting. And I'll put that on the message archive this week. You could just link right from it off of livinglifeopen.com. But I just, uh, I would not want to hold you off if you're ready to kind of investigate. There's 21-day fast, Daniel fast. There's, there's all kinds of different things. You can fast just one food item. God forbid coffee would be your choice. I'm just saying, you know, you know whatever. You could say, hey, I'm going to go without. And a lot of people do that during Lent and that's a whole nother subject. But Jesus was fasting in the desert so that he could learn to endure. It's James 1, 2 through 4 that says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Jesus, before he went into the three years of his ministry and, and recruited disciples to follow him, and this, all this ministry that was going to happen, he's in between baptism and ministry, 40 days, and he has strengthened himself so that he can endure with a 40-day fast that he was obviously led to do by the Holy Spirit. And I would say, don't fast for 40 days unless you're led to do it and you consult a doctor in modern-day world. Let me just get that out there. It's like, but pastor, you preached about a 40-day fast, and 35 days in, we're in the lobby doing the whole small group illustration. I don't want to be that guy right at the hospital visiting you because you didn't actually read about it. Okay, moving on. This leads us into our second insight. Tempted is not defeated. You know, so desert does not mean deserted, and tempted is not defeated. Temptation is not sin. Oh, man, we miss this often in our mind. We listen to, to lies about this from the enemy, but we see three distinct uh, temptations here in Luke, and, and they all mean, you know, different things to us, obviously. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus was positively tempted, led there by the Holy Spirit, but yet found the way out to be the power of the written word, right? Temptation in itself is not sin. 
This is great news because you and I are tempted every day, every moment of every day. And some buy into the lie that the enemy would definitely come after us with that we're defeated at the moment we're tempted. I remember having a girl in a youth ministry, one of the first ministries that I led, and, and she gave everything. She was living this life of, um, she was going from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy. Let me just put it that way. And giving all of herself, physically and mentally, to every guy. And she was at the point of suicide and just, what's the purpose of life? And I remember meeting with her and just trying to peel back layers and finding out, like, so talk to me, like, this decision and this decision. And when we finally got all the layers down, she had a dream as a child and as a young youth that she was not going to kiss anyone until the wedding day. Like that was going to be her first kiss. She built the kiss up to be the biggest thing, representation of her relationship with God, representation of purity, representation of she built this image, this idol, if you would, that the kiss represented, and fell for this guy as a young teen, and one thing led to another, they kissed. And at that first kiss, she just was like, what's anything else worth? I'm worthless. I'm a sinner. The enemy came in strong saying, you're defeated right at the moment of temptation. And so she just threw in the towel on life and was just getting chewed up and spit out by life. And so we began to redevelop identity and, and, and forgiveness. And, but I just look at that and I go, so many of us buy into lies like that. Temptation is not sin. You're not defeated at the moment of temptation. Jesus was tempted. And if Jesus was without sin and He was tempted in every way you and I are tempted… There's a lot of ways, right? Guys were watching a favorite show at night, and all of a sudden, Victoria's Secret commercial? Really? You know, your spouse can even be next to you saying, uh, are you looking at that? Or you don't think they're more beautiful than me? No, not a, no, right? It's that we're just like, oh, sin twice. You know, you're just getting in trouble. You, or give, you know, we're tempted in, in greed get the bonus, and we're like, you know, do I tithe or do I add that addition that we were thinking of? I mean, we sin in so many different ways. Students at school, do I just, it's just one test. The sin in my home, this is the, I'm being too transparent. I'm always too transparent. I'll owe my kids money now or something. It's like, you know, I have 11-year-olds. So they're like, come on, Dad, I know it says 13, but can we just get this social media? I'm like, not a chance, right? That's, no, you wait. We're the only ones. I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, no, it's just, that's tough. And it's like, they want just that little sin, just, just, just a lie, just, a, just check the box that we're 13. Not that a day. You know, it's just not going to happen. So I, I, I look at that, and, and there's temptations all around. We're facing them daily, but it's whether we give in. Temptation is like bait on a hook. The, the devil's smart, and, and, and you can read about the process in James 1 about how we're enticed and led away, and sin gives way to death and all this stuff. But I, I look at this 
it, the word enticed the, when we're tempted literally means like, like fly fishing. We're enticed. We see the bait on the hook and we just want to... But oftentimes we don't... We would never bite if we saw the hook. We nibble on the bait until all of a sudden we took too big of a bite and we're hooked. Satan knew if he came to you and said, man, I would like you to experience divorce and gluttony and obesity and drunkenness and drug addiction and devastation to generations of family lineage, uh, you know, gossiping. I would really love you to be busybodying all the time, and let's become really violent and angry towards people and um, mean-spirited and bitter. None of us would nibble on that. That's the hook. We don't nibble on that. We nibble on unforgiveness, and we nibble on little choice morsels. The devil's craftier, and he tempts us. He's a tempter and deceiver. You know, he'll come, you're free in Jesus. It's it's only one time. You have freedom. Partake of your freedom. Or it's just just texting. You You don't have feelings for that person who's not your spouse. It's just a Facebook friend. Feel free to message him back and forth. It's just an old high school friend. You don't have to love this person, you know. The the, the Bible doesn't mean you have to forgive all people. You can hold unforgiveness towards this one person. That's how the enemy comes, you know. Little nibbles. Doesn't want you to know you're just going to become bitter and hurtful and rash out someday. So, Jesus has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Every way. So, think of all the ways you're tempted to sin. Maybe you don't know the defined sins of the world. None of us really do. But whatever you're picturing, He was tempted in that way, in His own context. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, one of your potential responses today would be to memorize this because Jesus obviously defeated the enemy by quoting Scripture. So, memorizing Scripture is an incredible spiritual discipline to help overcome the enemy in times of temptation. But it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. It's one of the most basic scriptures that we could just repeat, repeat until we know it because the enemy will want to come up and say, you're the only one tempted like this. You're a freak of nature, and you should just end it all. And you're lured into the lie. Temptation should not be defeat. So what is it that gets you? Are you aware of your temptations so that you can go face on against them? I'm not thinking Jesus had predicted necessarily the temptations that would be recorded. He was there for 40 days, and he was tempted by the enemy the whole time he was there. We hear these three temptations, I don't know, maybe because Luke wanted to point out not only did Jesus later in in, in his ministry uh, turn water into wine, but he was tempted to turn, you know, rocks into bread. How did the enemy do it? Have you ever been at Safeway and you're going through the line to check out and they have those fresh French bread rolls right there? It's like the same bread we use for communion that we'll, we'll, we'll do here at the end of today. But it's like, you know, you can squeeze it and smell it. What if they just, you know, it's like he was looking at the rocks and he's going, oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Was the temptation the smell? 
That's just interesting to me how it must have happened. Did he like squeeze the rock and was debating, you know? Yeah, come on, just turn it into bread and take a bite. You're hungry. I mean, this is literally what he's facing. He is being enticed and lured in, but I'm pretty sure he didn't go out and go, oh, dang, rocks. Oh, I knew this would happen. This is my big one. I always want to turn rocks into bread. I don't think he was necessarily aware of it. Satan just has cunning ways to come after us that are common to man, and there's a way out provided by God. And Jesus exemplified a great way out is to know the Scriptures. The imagery of standing under the way out in 1 Corinthians 10.13, to stand under, to have a covering, it is literally the word authority. The word authority means covering. And so as you read through Scripture and you read moments like this where there's a, a way out for you to stand under, through faith in Jesus, we can have a covering of protection of God. And here's Jesus in the desert having this covering. He's led in the Spirit. He's full of God. He's just been told, this is the Son whom I'm well pleased of. He has this covering to help him find the way out from these temptations and, and have these Scriptures he's aware of come to life that he can quote and escape the moments of temptation against the enemy. And, and that's where we need to be. We need to be in a place of just continual spiritual discipline, of reading the Bible, of praying, and even fasting as is being read about here because that'll allow us, maybe we don't know when we're going to need it, but when we do, with a covering and a way out from God, we won't give in to sin that gives way to death. You and I will be tempted all the time, but God's showing us that we'll always be given a way out. So Jesus is in the desert 40 days, hot, hungry, but full of the Holy Spirit and more of the Lord every day is more united physically, mentally, and yes, though, weaker physically. So, I don't know, something to process is, have you ever fasted? Not out of medical necessity, but maybe for spiritual breakthrough. What happened in your life? You know, on the backside of your, your handout or fill-in is an example of what the handouts will look like when groups start. You'll have potential discussion. You know, some groups will use that verbatim. Some will just kind of get started off of that. But you have potential discussion points. And, and one of them is like, you know, what happened when you fasted and, 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 and how how did this work in your life? And maybe you haven't fasted. I challenge you to do it this week. Maybe just a meal or a breakfast or coffee or whatever it is for a day, just, and spend that window praying for Easter. It's an open season in people's lives. And maybe you've already given some invites to others to say, hey, come and hear the message and hope of Jesus. We'll take a break from the Luke series next Sunday and just make plain the gospel for you and your friends that are invited. And, uh, and just, you know, pray for those who maybe will see it on Facebook or they'll see it in the, the Val Pack that went out or maybe they've seen it over the course of, uh, you know, a dialogue in a community meeting or a coworker saw that you put an invite on a bulletin board or maybe like what happened, you never know. Pray for moments of opportunity while you're fasting and praying because 
things like we were at the little free preview lunch thing at Red Robin this week on Friday, and we see a couple people, uh, one of which was first-time guests last Sunday at Open Life, and they're excited to come back on Easter, and, and we sit down, and we're getting ready to order whatever off the menu, and, uh, and the uh, gal who sat us comes by and goes, man, maybe I should go to church so I can meet some more people. Now, that's why you always want your invites in your pocket or wallet or something, right, or purse, because it's, when God gives you moments like that, I mean, that's an easy, like, well, man, you should. Here, if you're not working, come to the high school, just right over here. You know, it's, it was an easy invite. Sometimes God doesn't serve it up so easy, but what if we fasted and prayed and He did often do that? That coworker you've been praying for all of a sudden says, hey, what are you doing for Easter? You're like, Ding, 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 right? It's just like those moments happen more often when you're available, when you're prayerful, when your mind is set on God wanting to change lives because changed people change the lives of others and change the world as well, and that's what we're praying for. Maybe it's going to be somebody who gets an invite on a, on a um, ring pop at the egg hunt next Sunday or next Saturday morning for the city of Bonnie Lake. Maybe they're going to get that invite that's taped to it and go, I'm going to come to church. That's the things that we should pray for when we fast a meal, if that's what you feel the Lord challenging you to do. Fi- final thought from here is uh, uh, really two, two level. What were the temptations the enemy used, and, and how did Jesus overcome them? We've kind of shared it already, but Satan will try to confuse your identity. Did you notice twice in two of the temptations, he said, if you are the Son of God. And I think that's one of the most common ones, and it's self-talk. Often, we'll hear ourselves having this conversation, man, I would invite someone, but, you know, who am I to invite them? Have you seen the way I'm living? Oh, I would invite somebody, but who am I to share my story? Ah, uh, you know, I'd raise my hand for prayer, but who am I? I'd be baptized, but boy, have you seen the choices I've made? And the enemy will come at you, who are you, you know, uh, to to make yourself known. Who, who are you to share your faith with somebody because, man, you could offend them. And, and you hear these voices, and it's like, just realize in that moment, you're being tempted to not share. It's in that moment, you got to re-reach back for that why not moment and go, hey, here's a cool experience on Easter. You should join me. That boldness would rise up inside of you because the enemy wants to do everything to encourage you that you're not a child of God. Romans 8, 15 through 17, though, says, You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. This is all of us. When we choose to follow Jesus, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. When you hear that thought, who are you to just mentally say, shut it, and let's get her done, right? Because I am a child of God through faith in Jesus. And then Satan comes and waits for the opportune time. It just concludes like, dun, dun, dun. First Peter 5, 8 through 9 says it this way, be self-controlled and alert the enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him, stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. 
I'll let you read Ephesians 5, 6, 10 through 18 on your own, but it says stand firm and put on the armor of God. You need to be praying. You need the Word of God. I mean, temptation is going to come. The enemy is going to wait for an opportune moment, which in each one of our lives looks different. For some, it might be when we get a bad diagnosis or one of our loved ones does, and we'll just want to abandon everything. For some, it's the first kiss. For some, it's a a bonus or a promotion, and it's such a significant amount of money, greed consumes us. For some of us, our business fails, or our pride just has to fall. And it, we're just, in that moment, we're at our weakest, and Satan's going to come because it's an opportune time. Either weak out of blessing and blindness, or weak out of just exhaustion and hunger and desert. I don't know where you're at today or what the right response is for you on your connection card. Maybe you need to make a choice to follow Jesus so that you have that covering. Maybe the challenge for you is to invite somebody to Easter. Or maybe you're going to fast and there's a blank line on the back of your connection card and you could just jot lunch Tuesday. I don't know. Fasting begins when you pray. So fast and pray. And maybe you just need to memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13 so you can tell yourself there's a way out when it gets hard. We're going to sing a song here and, and open up communion. I figure it's fitting since we're talking about Jesus being questioned if He was the Son of God and, and being Easter and all, that it's a positive practice for us before we take our offering and close today to grab a piece of bread, which is a, a, a resemblance of Jesus' body. It's an emblem representing His body. It's just French bread from the bakery that smells like what Jesus was encouraging to turn the rocks into. And then there's grape juice. Both of them are juice. It's not wine, so it doesn't matter. Anybody in the room can take of communion. It just says in Scripture that if we're going to take in communion and celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus. We just need to have our faith in Jesus. And so I'm going to pray. And those of you who have yet to confess Jesus as Lord, you can do so. Uh, if, if you're not there yet and you're still just taking this journey, figuring out who Jesus is, that's okay. You don't have to go take communion. I would encourage you not to. Not everybody has to. But we're going to stand and you can make your way to one of those while we're singing. And then uh, Danny will come and close out the service encouraging you about charity water and what's coming next week. Uh, we'll collect your connection cards in a moment, so make sure you've checked what groups you want to be a part of. Uh, but let me pray here first. Lord, I thank you for the open doors you give us. And I pray that God, as, as we see the path out of temptation, even Jesus uses scripture and fasting and He's praying. He's in a desert. He's hungry. I just pray that, God, you would give us the same boldness and strength spiritually, that we would be disciplined. And I thank you for the message of the cross. I thank you for the opportunity we have to follow you, and you're so incredibly faithful in our lives. And I just pray that, uh, God, today, those who have yet to make a decision to follow you, that they would just say, Jesus, I, I want to know you as Lord. I want to follow you, and I want this covering to show me a way out when I'm tempted, when I'm tempted to doubt who I am, when I don't know my identity. Lord, may they know they're a child of you, have hope. And the cross and the grave that we celebrate this coming week 
Thank you for the sacrifice. Thank you for the plan that was written in place. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be made new through faith in Jesus alone. And we celebrate the body and the blood of that sacrifice today in communion and just give you all the glory and honor for the price you paid for our ability to have eternal life in you. In Jesus' name, amen.